Yo, yo, welcome back to the It's All Opinion podcast, the only podcast that gives you straight facts. And if it's not facts, well, I guess it's an opinion. I am your host, Nate Sperlin. Thank you for listening on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Verbal, and other DSPs that I have not named. Do us a favor, hit the like buttons and subscribe to the channel or the podcast page. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Old Milk Media. I am here with Philadelphia's own King Champs. Thank you for being here. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good, bro. I'm good, bro. Glad to be on the show, man. Glad to be on the show for sure. All right. Um, I appreciate I appreciate you um, coming on the show. Um, so I don't know. You're from Philadelphia. I just want to get right into it because NBA season is right around the corner and sure. you're from Philadelphia. And I guess you currently have your all-star point guard holding your team hostage right now, um, Ben Simmons who essentially decided to not take a layup at the, I think it was, was it game six against the Hawks that he yep. decided not to take that layup. And yep. so he decided not to take the layup and then everybody's response is, okay, well, you need to get better. And he's like, no, I want to leave. So that being said, what are your thoughts about Ben Simmons? What was the atmosphere like in Philadelphia when they saw the shot that didn't, that wasn't shot? Oh, everybody was pissed the fuck off, bro. I mean, you know how sports is in any major city, bro. Like, you cannot do shit like that, especially in Philly. You know, Philly's one of the toughest places, if not toughest for fans, um, criticisms and shit like that. So the thing is, you got to be able to come through. You know what I mean? And for you to just start bitching and be like, yo, like, you know, I'm just not going to get better. I just want to leave a situation. Like, life is full of adversity, bro. Like, you're going to have to go through something in order for yourself to grow in order to mature and get what you got to get. So it just looked like a sucker-ass move to me, man. You know what I'm saying? And if I'm the Sixers franchise or any franchise that don't want to play like that, it's like, bro, we're not going to move you. And if we do move you, it's got to be something of some kind of game where it's, it benefits the team. You know what I'm saying? Like, it can't just be no shit like, oh, you know, we just going to trade you for, you know, a pack of chips and a blunt. Like, we're not <laughs> doing that. Like, <laughs> not at all. So no, I, I that, that was interesting. Yeah, no, I fully agree with you. I think um, one thing that I've been in my group chat um, lobbying for that I think would take the Sixers to the next level is if they were able to do a Ben Simmons for uh, De'Aaron Fox swap um, with the Kings. That would be a nice but yeah like Simmons trade value is just so low I don't really know what you could really get for him at this point they have like talks of him going to Minnesota and getting uh Malik Beasley and some picks and that's not because Simmons is an all-star despite him not being able to shoot or score like there's there's clearly talent there but from his rookie season to now, I don't really see where he's really developed his game. And that's coming off of a rookie season where personally I thought Donovan Mitchell deserved the rookie of the year over yeah, him because yeah, Donovan Mitchell sure. led a team to the playoffs. And I don't even think the Sixers got into the playoffs that year, did they? I don't think so. So I don't think so. I think, I don't know. I think Ben Simmons is a great defender. He's a pretty good rebounder. He's a pretty good passer, but if he's not going to take a three-pointer, you're just going to see what you saw towards the end of game sometimes where Embiid is forced to take jump shots because there's too many people in the paint. So I don't know what you guys will do do with him. It seems like he's trying to sit out and I, I don't, what, what do you think, 
would be the best case, most realistic scenario for the Sixers right now with the whole Ben Simmons situation going on? Um, You would just really hope that you can get to some kind of mutual understanding. That's really where you want to get at this point in time, because there's so many different rumors um, regarding where he may go, if he's going to sit out or not. You know what I mean? You really don't know at this point. I think that they have to come together and say, okay, this is a plan that we can go in here to execute, whether it's a trade or you stay here until your trade value comes up, or you just say, yo, bro, we've invested a lot into you. We're not going to give up on you because like you said, you are an all-star. Let's see if we can go in here and get better and be men about the situation. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of different options, but I feel like the biggest thing that has to be done is a sit down and hashing everything out is on the table now. And then we have a direction where we can go. Because right now it's really no direction. There's a lot of rumors. Yeah. Um, that being said, I think there was another, there's a playoff game. I think it was either one of the later ones, maybe game four or game five, where the only two players who scored in the second half for the Sixers were Embiid and Seth Curry. Um, you guys have another player who you paid a lot of money for and he hasn't really lived up to the expectations of that contract in Tobias Harris. You know about Tobias Harris? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, bro. Listen, the NBA's J. Cole, as some people will call it. And first and foremost, for the record, I definitely will uh, watch the Sixers because I'm in Philly, but I'm a Boston Celtics fan. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge like Jason Tatum fan. Oh, I you're a Celtics fan. Okay. Yeah. I fuck when I'm happy. But <laughs> I I'm go to battle city. with Celtics fans every day in my group chat. Listen, man, it's, it's, it's mad wild with that team right now, just because there's no direction there either. But that's a whole other discussion. But for the Sixers, like, when you talk about Tobias Harris, yeah. Like, you pay a guy that much money, you expect him to step up. Mm-hmm. Like, you expect him to step up. I mean, the thing is, you're not really the best defender. You're not no. the best rebounder. No. We expect you to at least do what you can do, which is score the basketball. And... um when you start talking about the Sixers and, and a lot of other teams, you don't have a guy that they can just give the ball and say, go get me 30. Like not like people look at stats um, and they watch shit through the course of the game. You got a lot of great course of the game scores. And then you have guys who can just give you 20 in a row. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, Tobias Harris isn't either one of those dudes. No. You know what I'm saying? And for you to pay him that kind of contract, like a max contract, I expect maximum results. No, I, I, you know, I talk agree. to my little brother about that all the time, like mm-hmm. consistently. No, I, I definitely agree. I think that uh, Tobias Harris is, first of all, it, when they gave him that contract in the first place, it seemed like they had to make a choice between Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler. And I understand that Jimmy Butler didn't really want to stay in the first place, but if yeah. I'm the Sixers at that point and you see how good Jimmy Butler was for the culture, and also for Joel Embiid, because we didn't see Joel Embiid really propel himself to superstardom the way that he did and try to play every single game till since after Jimmy Butler left. And you could see there's a different level of seriousness that Joel Embiid has taken with being a superstar center for an NBA franchise. So mm-hmm. I personally, I think if Jimmy Butler is still there and you take off Tobias Harris, maybe Ben Simmons may... Jimmy Butler might either bully Ben Simmons into leaving or bully him into getting better. Cause that seemed to be the situation in Minnesota with Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns. So that being said, I don't understand how they just let Jimmy Butler go. But since the revelation is that you're a Celtics fan, 
let's talk about the Celtics. <laughs> because <laughs> I have um, some of my friends are Celtics fans. Most mm. of them are pretty realistic. Some of them are delusional. Um, That's every fan base. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> some, some fan bases more than others. But I guess you have two all-stars. You have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. You add Dennis Schroeder. You lose Kemba. You, I think you got Al Horford back, I believe. Yeah. I, am I wrong to think that this team is going to, it's going to make the playoffs, but am I wrong to think that this team's ceiling is maybe a four seed? No. No, not at all. A realistic um, Celtics fan. I love yeah, that. I mean, I'm, I'm just a realistic fan, period, because the thing is you have to look at the optics and the situation that's being presented. You know what I'm saying? Um, Brad Stevens has to do a way better job in coaching situations. Mm-hmm. Some of the coaching adjustments have been horrible. Um, he's good up until a point. Um, it's the same thing with a Jalen Brown. He can be good up to a point. Kimber Walker really isn't a loss because he doesn't move the ball at all. Um, he refuses to move the ball and he's going to New York where he can put up as many shots as he wants. You know, um, that's something he's going home. You know, that's like the big thing, like go home, go home. It's like, yeah, whatever. So (laughs) um, when you start talking about like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you got talent there Mm -hmm. and the East really is only like three teams in the East or four teams rather that kind of have, you know, the ability to win some games. Mm -hmm. Um, But what's that, like the Nets, we would be in there, the Sixers, and Giannis and them, because Giannis and them just want to chip. I mean, I'd put the Heat there, too. I like what they did. The Heat are always going to be there. Kyle Lowry, and you still have Bam Adebayo, and you have Jimmy Butler over there. You think Kyle Lowry still got juice? Yes. Mm. Everybody used to roast Kyle Lowry because he would never get out um, the playoffs, but at the same time, like he would never get to the finals because the Raptors yeah. for years were considered championship contenders. But at the same time, they kept losing to LeBron. And it's like, yeah. it, like it comes to a point where it's like, okay, well, like this is literally probably in my lifetime, at least the best player I've ever seen. So mm. once he was paired with Kawhi and we saw what he did in that final series, along with Kawhi, Fred Van Vliet, Mark Gasol, Serge Ibaka, like they had a really good team around them. But seeing what he did there, I think that he's one of the most underrated point guards in the league. I think oh, yeah, for sure. he for sure. is someone who he's paid his dues. And now I think on the heat, I think that he's going to be someone that's going to be a real um, threat because now Jimmy doesn't have to hold on to the ball as much as he does or had to. You know, I can see that. I, I believe if he still has enough juice left and he can kind of replicate what he did in Toronto, they're definitely contenders mm-hmm. for sure. Because like you said, he's an underrated point guard. He distributes the ball well. He's a hound on defense. Very good. You know defender. what I'm saying? And he brings a certain leadership quality. So if he can come down there and he's still got some juice left, they're in the midst. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. Um, but going back to the Celtics, during last year, the beginning of last year, when James Harden was in Houston and he wanted to be anywhere but Houston, my argument was that the Celtics, if the Celtics traded for James Harden, and maybe gave up Jalen Brown for James Harden, they'd be in a much better situation. What do you think about that? You know, 
as long as Harden's healthy, we already know what the fuck Harden is. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's not like he's not an MVP and probably the most dominant isolation player we've seen. He should have Um, have three, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, James Harden gets busy, so it's hard for me to argue that. Um, But on the flip side, it's like, okay, Jalen Brown does play defense. Mm -hmm. James Harden, if he's going to drop 40 because you can probably give him 40. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So um, unless you have a lot of great defenders around him, and we've got a couple of solid uh, defenders, but I feel like you have to structure the team a certain kind of way for that actual move to work. Mm-hmm. It's really good on 2K if I got Jason Tatum and James Harden. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like running up and down the court, and I can kind of control these guys, but you start talking about the regular season stretches, and um, the ability to have big defense in those games, he's a liability defensively. I think we all can agree with that. I mean, the one thing I've noticed, because I'm a huge James Harden fan, and mm-hmm. there have been times where he's been la- where he's been lackadaisical on defense, but towards that last year when the Rockets fully committed to small ball and they had P.J. Tucker as their starting center, one thing yeah. I noticed about James Harden was that in the paint, he's really solid. I think that his strength is very underrated. I think there was some stat that he's by opponent field goal, some crazy analytical mumbo jumbo stat that he was first in um, defensively, but that's a big deal for him to be first in a defensive stat period. So I think that he, and it's shown in Brooklyn too, that he's recommitted himself to being a winning basketball player and understanding that defense is the name of the game. But regardless, I think that, with James Harden, the one thing that I think the Celtics really need is a ball handler that is going to, as soon as one of the play, one of the other four players on the court get open, you get the ball, bucket. Yeah, that's the one thing that I think you guys sure. are missing. And James Harden, in my opinion, he's one of the best distributors five, in the league. Yeah, he's a top yeah. five passer in the league. He's led the league in assists. Um, he had he he had like a crazy sixty point fifteen assist triple double at one point. Like he. His role literally on the Nets isn't even to score anymore, and that's his best trait. It's literally to assist. So if you pair that with Jason Tatum, and now you tell Jason Tatum, okay, you just score, play defense, we'll win. And James Harden can still give you 30 and 10 on the side. I think that the Celtics would be in a much better position that they're in right now. Because also now, even Kemba can play off that too. Because you could keep Kemba, and Kemba could just be a scorer. Or... Kemba, Kemba, to me, he always has to add a ball. For better or worse, James Harden can play all ball. Kemba mm-hmm. Walker has shown consistently that he is a New York point guard to the court. He is not moving that ball at all. I'm dribbling this motherfucker. If I get the pass and you wide open, I'm going to hit you. But if you kind of open and I think I can kind of score, I'm going to put that motherfucker up. So I can't argue, like I said, it's very hard for me to um, refute anything that you're saying regarding James Harden. Um, James Harden's one of the best players in the league. Why wouldn't you trade him for like a Jalen Brown? You know what I mean? My only thing was, um, like I said, the structure of the team Mm -hmm. and the coaching of the team. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? How you're going to go in here and use this player? Because it's easy to just go in here and implement him. Okay, go in here and do this. But the culture has to be together. Yeah. And I feel like the defensive coach outside of Marcus Smart and a couple other guys, it's not a lot of great defenders. 
And I'm sorry, but I don't want to really get in a matchup where who's guarding Chris Middleton, who's guarding Giannis, and then Drew Holiday can still give you 30. I'm in trouble. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I want to make sure, like, if that move would happen, I wouldn't be mad. I'm not going to be the fan, like, oh, we've got James Harden. The fuck? Like, we got James Harden, <laughs> you know? But I just want to make sure that the team structure is together. I, I wouldn't mind that at all. So how do you feel about Brad Stevens now being promoted to essentially running the team and you guys have um, a new coach? I feel like that probably would be a better role for him. Mm -hmm. I feel like he's really good at talent evaluating. I feel like his voice may have got stale in the locker room and you always need that new voice to implement a certain kind of culture. You know what I'm saying? And I think Ika uh, really do a good job for that. I so, think he relates a lot more to the players. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that I think that there's no question about ben, uh, Brad, excuse me, Brad Stevens' um, basketball IQ. Yeah. But in terms of getting the players to a point where, yo, we're really going to run through a wall for this guy. I don't think he has any type of credentials or talent for that at all. And I think it shows um, during some of the games where the team would be in it and then all of a sudden they lose by 20. Yeah. So I do kind of question why he's the GM because as a coach, he wasn't really, he, he was mildly successful, but I did expect more from him as a coach. So maybe GM might be the role that fits him the best, but we'll have to see um, I later think, on. I think he'll excel at it. I really think he'll excel at it because like I see it, and like you even see it, it's basketball knowledge. Yeah. You know what I mean? For better or worse, it's not the pressure of, I have to make a play right here, right now in the middle of the game. I actually can sit back, let the game come to me and just talent evaluate. I think that's more of a, a role for him, like you said, rather than saying, um, is the team going to run through a wall for him? I don't think so. I never really saw that with the team. You know, I felt like they respected him and they respected his basketball mind. But even at that point in time, you reach a certain plateau. And I think that's what he reached. So I think that's probably the best thing for him is just to continue to use that basketball mind yeah. and um, make the team a little bit better from that perspective. All right, so let's switch sports here. You're a Cowboys fan in Philadelphia. Yes, sir. Which is insane. I didn't think people like you existed. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's a, You know what's funny? <laughs> it's funny because it's a lot of Cowboys fans here. Really? It's a lot of Cowboys fans oh, wow. here. That's, I mean, well, a the lot Cowboys of people are don't American even know team. that. Yeah, I mean, I mean and, and, this, and the thing is, a lot of people have a problem with that title because it's like, oh, you guys have won in 70 years and, you know, who cares and yada, yada, yada. I mean, I've heard it all. But it's America's team because everywhere in America, there's Cowboys fans. Like, everywhere. You can go to New York, to a New York Giants game, and in the stadium, it's damn near way more Cowboys fans than Giants fans. Do you... Which is crazy to me. Do you think over the past dominance of the past 20 years that the Patriots might have 
past the Cowboys as America's team because of all that dominance, because they do have a lot of fans in different places too, because people are going to bandwagon who, whoever's popular. Yeah, yeah. So what do you, do you, do you still feel like the Cowboys are the most popular team in the country or do you feel the Patriots, do you feel like the Patriots were breathing down your necks or even past you? The Patriots are definitely past us um, as far as championships. That's like a dull moment. You know what I mean? Like they definitely, <laughs> they definitely have way more championships than we do. Um, but as far as branding, I mean, every year, if you look at the Forbes list, um, the Cowboys and the Yankees, regardless of it, whether they're winning or losing, are always the top sports franchises. That's true. Lakers too. It's Yeah, it's never the Patriots. The Patriots win. They Patriots do have fans in different spots. And like you said, the bandwagon culture is the shit. We see that every day. If the motherfucker wins four games, you're the biggest fan. If they lose, you can't even find these motherfuckers. You know how that goes. So um, as far as winning, yeah, of course. I mean, that would be crazy. But as far as the brand, it's not even close. It's not even close. So how happy are you that Dak is back? And you don't have to do Andy Dalton anymore. And you passed Andy Dalton. Oh, my God. The Bears, unfortunately. It Oh, a Bears fan. Well, y'all got fields. Y'all got fields and y'all still got y'all defense. He's going to be in there like week three. Nagy is, seems determined to make fields sit this year out. And I, my thing is I feel like we should have, as soon as Cam got cut by the Patriots, we should have got Cam. Because I'd rather Justin Fields learn from a quarterback who's won a playoff game and actually play similarly to him. I can and respect that. even been yeah. an inspiration to Justin Fields than Andy Dalton, who, what, what's the, like, what's his best um, Andy Dalton like is 14, really bad. 13 and three or something on the Bengals. Like, he's really bad, bro. Because, like you said, he was on our team last year. He's really fucking bad, bro. Yeah, no, he's like, when Dak left, bro, and that's what I told people. And I'm glad that Dak is finally starting to get the respect from the media perspective. Because mm-hmm. anybody that knows the game and watches football knows that he's an elite quarterback, he mm-hmm. really can play well. Um, and it showed. Because all of the same weapons we had still were on the team. Ezekiel Elliott was there. We had C.D. Lamb. We had Amari Cooper. We got Michael Gallup. Um, we were missing Blake Jarman, who was our tight end. But you've got a hell of a squad. Mm-hmm. But Andy Dalton is throwing them the fucking football. And it looks terrible. It doesn't matter who you put around that guy. So that being back and then us basically getting beat by the goat, which everybody thought we would get beat by 40 and we actually won the game. We just gave Tom Brady time. Um, that Prescott led a fourth quarter comeback. He the did. defense may not have did anything. It was a questionable P, uh, PI call, but we've seen Tom Brady get those calls. So yeah, all the time. I, I didn't even get upset. I saw oh, that's Brady's call. You know, <laughs> it's like a minute left. Tuck roll. You didn't score a touchdown. That's on you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But um, that being back, man, um, the the future is bright because it's an offensive league and you have to score 30 fucking points a game. All offense can do it. All I legit want us to do is have an average to above average defense. Yes. Kansas City just won the Super Bowl with an above average defense, but their offense is so good. So I got high hopes for us. As long as Dak's on his feet, Offense lines doing what we're doing. We should be good. Do you got? Do you think that you guys will make the playoffs? 
Yeah, we're in the NFC lease. I'm not I concerned mean, with Jalen Hurts looks pretty good. I like Jalen Hurts a lot. Jalen Hurts to me looked good against the Falcons. Okay, well, that's fair. That's fair. We just have to be, that's we fair. can't say he's the second coming of Christ or the second coming of Russell Wilson. He beat the Falcons. Mm-hmm. And last year, I got a chance to see him up close and personal. And I wasn't really impressed. Really? Guess what? Dak Prescott was a fourth round pick. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Jalen Hurts can improve and become elite. Russell Wilson, same thing. Tom Brady's a fucking six rounder. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he can improve. But I'm just not ready to just say, and not just from me being a Cowboys fan, Mm -hmm. but just looking at his skill set. I feel like it's a lot more there. I feel like he needs a little bit more refined um, in his playing style. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reason why I, I don't, the reason why I'm kind of iffy on the Cowboys making the playoffs has nothing to do with the offense at all, because I could literally see a situation where Dak is probably leading the, the league in passing yards or whatever. And you guys are still under 500 because that defense is just so bad. I think when you saw um, last year's defense, everybody's rolling that same defense into this year. Mm-hmm. And you have a couple of those guys that are on the team, but we probably cut at least 16 dudes on that defense that looked like complete and utter shit last year. Those guys are out of here. Micah Parsons is there. Uh, we have Keanu Neal, who was a really good player for the Falcons. He played well. And we turned Brady over four times. That's true. We were able to do it. So I'm not saying that this defense um, is going to be top 10, Mm -hmm. but all you want them to do is be serviceable and give you turnovers at the right Mm time. And if you can play Tom Brady like that, we don't play Tom Brady. We won't see him until the playoffs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So all these other quarterbacks who don't have the same knowledge and football IQ that this guy has, this defense is going to get the ball. They're going to get the ball this year. Dan Quinn is our defensive coordinator. Um, Dan Quinn isn't a good head coach. No. But people forget Dan Quinn created the Legion of Boom, that defense in Seattle. And he's using those same kind of tactics with linebackers, that's why we got Micah Parsons. He's going to play the Bobby Wagner role. So schematically, what I saw in that Tampa Bay game is Tampa Bay lost that game. We outplayed Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay got the ball in number 12s over there. We already know how that story goes. Tom Brady's got a minute left or 30 seconds left. They will move him down field the field. Field goal. Something. Simple. Something's going to happen. So I feel like a lot of people are looking at the defense and kind of carrying over that. Um, The roster has made a big turn, bro. It's made a big turn. And I'm telling people right now, as long as we can stay healthy and have our players out on the field, I believe we can make a deep run. No one really in the NFC scares me. Aaron Rodgers got beat the shit out of by the Saints. I don't know. I don't know. Aaron Rodgers is... He seems like one of those dudes that he'll play terrible one game and then he'll just take it out on everybody else that he sees. No, he's one of the greatest that's a, quarterbacks that's a of all time. Quarterback. Yeah, he, are you telling me he's robbed <laughs> me like three years in a fucking row? Like robbed a, me. 
that is a terrifying <laughs> quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, and he has that whole like Green Bay drama behind him with Jordan Love and all that stuff. I think Aaron Rodgers is probably gonna be MVP again. But let's um before we transition, I just want to ask you two questions real quick. Who do you think will mm. be in the NBA finals? Just coming season. Mm. Um whew. I believe the Bucks. I think Over the, the Bucks Nets, really that game. The Nets got to stay healthy for me, man. Okay. The Nets look good on paper. If I mean, the Nets are healthy, are we saying health-wise, who should go in? I would assume so because my whole thing is that the reason why the Nets were literally every single team last year dealt with some form of injury because of how condensed that schedule was. Yeah. Like everybody. And the only two teams that really stayed healthy throughout the playoffs are the two teams that ended up in the finals. So mm-hmm. – well, yes, Giannis got his ring. At the same time, it's like, who did you really beat? You beat KD and half of James Harden and half of Kyrie. Like, you, they, didn't, they didn't even play together. Like, they only played together for what? Like, a minute before James Harden got yeah, injured I don't, that first yeah, game? They didn't really play uh, together at all, for sure. So, and James Harden has proven to be one of the most durable players in the NBA, period, like, throughout his whole career. That was the first time he really had an injury where he was out for that much time. So... My whole thing is if James Harden plays, they're getting to the they're getting to the finals. Because we've seen James Harden and Kyrie, that worked out. James Harden and KD is gonna work. James Harden and somebody is gonna get to fight get to the finals in my eyes. Yeah, no, James Harden. See, the only reason, and I'm not even talking about James Harden. I think as long as James Harden plays, you've always got a shot. Mm-hmm. The problem is Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving, by him never being healthy, ever, him and Anthony Davis had the same fucking problem where they play really well and then you're like, where are they? Street clothes. Um, If they're able to have their big three, they should have went this year. Yeah. It would have been a state of swept the Suns, being real. Yeah, they would have swept everybody. But the only reason why Giannis and them have to be the favorite is because they did win the championship, mm-hmm. and you know that they're going to be really turned up that they can repeat. Because I don't think out of the West is probably going to be LeBron, just because LeBron did miss last year, and he's got a couple of older reinforcements that are chasing oh, no, I got, rings. I got LeBron and, and Russ. Russell Westbrook deserves some respect. Russell Westbrook he deserves is some respect. The greatest three-quarter play-in player I've ever seen. He had no, nah, don't do that. He has some clutch moments in the fourth, too. Don't do that. The fourth quarter, Russell Westbrook, because I remember watching, mm-hmm. right? Dame Willard hit the game winner on them. They were up in that game. Damn near. By like 18 at one point I, going I, into the fourth. I now I have to looks like I have to do what apparently is my life's burden in educating people about that series. That is not Russ's fault. I mean, it is because he's on the team, but he has some turnovers late Paul in that game. George has proven Paul George in Paul George played with Russ I two years. Yeah. Paul George was about to be an MVP, top three MVP candidate because of Russ. And then we could not find him in the playoffs. He just came off a good series, though. Against the Suns. But look at the past years before that. The year before in the bubble, 
he he had that three and then he knocked it off the he the side of the yeah, back that- the corner. <laughs> Everybody called him way off P. The year before that, he gets his he gets he gets uh the Dame Lillard shot in his face and he doesn't really show up. The year before that, against the Utah Jazz, Russ drops forty five in a closeout game. Melo drops seven and PG drops five. What is that? Yeah, no Russell Westbrook. Listen, Russell Westbrook. If this if this makes sense, is the best. Worst basketball player I've ever seen play basketball. <laughs> You're gonna have like to expand on that a little bit more. Like he's the best player up until a point. Mm-hmm. Like every time you'll see him, and more often than not in the fourth quarter, he plays more off of emotionalism mm-hmm. than actual basketball IQ. He's almost like, are you familiar with the juggernaut on X-Men? I'm not. Okay, so the juggernaut is a character that is based off of momentum. Mm -hmm. The more momentum he gets, the stronger he becomes. That's how Russell Westbrook plays basketball. If people tell him, hey, Russ, we know you can't shoot, and we're really going to block this lane off, and the mid-range isn't working, he begins to force up bad shots, he begins to turn over the ball, and then he begins to get into it with fans, refs, babies, and politicians. He does this consistently. It's not a talent thing. Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook can play. He can beat my ass in a game of one-on-one. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But when he's playing against these guys, when it's really time for him to put the game out of reach, I more often than not, he doesn't. I, I agree. I think that in the fourth quarter that he can be a lot more calmer. I also think that if he didn't take as many threes he'd be a far more effective basketball player for sure I do think a lot of the time when he's been kicked out of the of the playoffs in whatever round people like to pile on him and completely ignore what he has around him Mm. so like I said like I mentioned before with the whole him dropping 45 in a in a closeout game and PG and Melo not showing up PG and Melo supposed to show up if PG and Melo give him combined thirty, they win that game. Yeah, and they, and yeah. it's not like and it's not like Russ isn't passing them the ball to get them to get them their open shots. Like they just choked. There's been mad times yeah. where like Golden State versus uh, OKC before KD left that that series before KD left, and they're up three yeah. one. I remember in Game Six. In game, it was either game six or game seven. KD came out and shot 22 shots in the first half. KD, you're the closer. You don't shoot. When have you when you have you ever seen KD shoot 22 shots in the first half? Yeah, that's 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 a little crazy for sure. I can't argue that point. Like there's little they like there's little con contextual things that people tend to um forget about Russ's playoff career. And that's why I feel like that's why I said like it's my burden as a Russ fan to educate people on this stuff because these are things that actually happen. And yeah, it's it's Russ is on the team. They lost. Russ could have played better. Russ had a turnover here. Russ shouldn't have shot that. Sure. Right. But at the same time, perhaps he's not in that situation if PG shows up or KD doesn't take 22 shots in the first half or Melo shows up. Or he has shooters around him. I mean, it could be completely different stories, but we also have to remember the finals. When him and KD actually went, James Harden was non-existent. He choked. Boy, James Harden owes Kevin Durant 
a championship by himself. So he should take Kevin, like for what he did to him in that series, he oh, and to Russell Westbrook, because mm-hmm. for better or worse, Russell Westbrook in one of them games had like 40 something. Yeah, it was he, like he played really well. He snapped. But going back to Russell Westbrook and my definition of the greatest, worst basketball player of all time, he has three quarters where no one can stop him. And then the fourth quarter comes around and he starts getting quirky. He just gets quirky. And I look every game, it's in a fourth quarter, and Russell Westbrook's there. I'm like, yo, please, like, Russ, please, bro. Because I fuck with Russell Westbrook. Do not get it fucked up. But I can't just keep backing him. I can't. Because he gives me nothing to work with every time. That wizard season didn't do it for you? (sighs) It was essentially him by himself? Wes, this is the thing. I can't be mad at that. The Wizards fucking suck. He needed yeah. to go somewhere. Yeah. They suck. Like, I mean, God. I mean, I what mean, do you do with them? I think the fact Tom that he got them to the playoffs, like the, like the fact that he got them to the playoffs is there's not many point guards in the league that could do that with that team, with what he had. For better or worse, he had Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill's another person that should go. Bradley he's, he's Bill not is existing on defense, though. Yeah, he's he's got that James Harden kind of factor to him. Except he doesn't impact like Bradley Beal will give you forty and a high percentage, like probably like thirty percent of the time it'll be empty, like it'll be an empty forty, and it's like okay, what yeah, 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 yeah. I could agree game? with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can agree with that. I can't even argue with that. So, but Russell Westbrook, nobody is denying Russell can play, but with this Lakers team. The Lakers more than likely are either the Bucks or the Nets. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to the question, I got either the Bucks or the Nets. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm leaning towards the Bucks and the Lakers by far. And yeah. I'm not a LeBron fan by no means. I'm but LeBron. Um, LeBron is better than these dudes. And um, he definitely wants some revenge after LeBron Chris Paul whooping his ass. Oh, yeah. No, He's I think better than these dudes. I'm like, very... Um... Looking back on it, maybe not at the time, I'm very appreciative of LeBron being the villain in Miami. Like, just being able to root against him consistently over and over and over again. He was a great <laughs> villain. He was a very, very great villain. But then ever since he went to Cleveland and now he's on the Lakers, I started to uh, like him again. So he's, he's actually one of my favorite players. But um, moving on, in the NFL Super Bowl, who, who, who's there? Um... To be honest, it's either going to be because I got to pick like damn near two teams mm-hmm. just because I can see it really going either way on either side. Um, the Browns and the Chiefs, mm-hmm. um, because I think the Browns can beat the Chiefs. They're just like a daily a dollar short. And Mahomes is on that team. Mm-hmm. But what I did see in that first game was Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney coming off that edge against Mahomes consistently can breed problems. If you swing it, say if Miles Garrett gets that turnover, that sack in the fourth quarter, um, Baker Mayfield can score in that range. Yeah. I mean, it'll have to be a fumble because the one thing about Mahomes is that he does not throw picks. No, he doesn't. So you want to get a strip fumble. Exactly. You want to get a strip fumble. Um, The pressure that they were given, I see them being teams. And then to be honest, I mean, um, in the NFC, it's a wild. It's a wild card to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like San Fran was supposed to be a team. Um, I'm not sure where they're at. That's a tough um, division. Tampa, yeah, Tampa they might Bay not even is make the playoffs. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Rams, um, the Rams are going to. The Seahawks are going to get in. Guaranteed. Kyler, Kyler Murray looks good in Arizona. That's a tough division. That division is wild. Yeah. That division is the best division in football. Probably. Like, yeah, Probably. like, so you've got those three teams. I'm not scared of the Rams. Um, the Rams, ugh, Matt Stafford doesn't do it for me. Because mm-hmm. um, he still looked crazy against y'all. I mean, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on the other side, though. Oh, I mean, they're going to come to play. They're going to come to play. Aaron Donald like, he just discards of 300-pound men like they're trash. Yeah. No, Aaron Donald is a, is a fucking force, bro. Um, But you have weaknesses in all of these teams. I really feel like it can be um, – I'm going to throw Tampa in there just because Tampa's the reigning champs. You, you can't bet against Tom Brady. That's – you know, we see that over and over again. And – um. That other team could be a crapshoot that can make the Super Bowl. It really yeah. could be anybody of the teams. It really can. As long as you're like a talented team that's 30 points, it's up there. The Cowboys can be in it. The Saints, quiet as is kept. I, I like, I like um, James Winston over it. there. Yeah, yeah, like Jameis Winston and a Sean Payton offense with Kamara and a really staunch offensive line, Um, that can also, be trouble for teams. Also, he can see. Like he got yeah. LASIK, he got LASIK surgery now. He can. He can. Jameis is a really good quarterback. Thirty man. touchdowns and you can't see. Huh. Yeah, huh. yeah. I think it. I respect it. <laughs> yeah. So it. I, I feel like after Tampa Bay, um, of course you can't count out Aaron Rodgers. You can't count out Russell. It's just going to be a battle in the NFC. I feel like the top two teams in the AFC, um, to me are going to be the Browns and the Chiefs. Yeah. So I, I mean, feel like it's going to be one or the other. Like I said, my other team, I'm not going to be biased. Um, I think that we can do it. I think we have the talent to do it, to go on ahead and get into the Super Bowl and really play some ball because the league is like 30 points and an average defense. Whoever can get over 30 wins. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a chance to do that. Um, the Browns, to me, are the most complete team. Um, because offensive line so. and defensive line. I'd say so. Um, the Titans are always going to be in the midst, too. Um, Julio Jones is going to have to catch touchdowns, though. Yeah. They need touchdowns. Lamar, they don't need his yards. Lamar needs his receivers to stop dropping the ball. Yeah. He, because there's like, so how is much, he going to win and they drop the football? <laughs> there's so much talk about he's not a passer, he's not elite, he has no chance to be a good passer at all. But when you watch them play, there are a lot of balls that he throws and they're on target and they just get dropped. Yeah, yeah. Now, now listen, my, my thing with Lamar is Lamar definitely has to get better, but who the fuck doesn't? I mean, that's life. You want to evolve, so I'm not mm-hmm. going to just hang on that. Um, but you definitely have to look at those wide receivers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you got to look at the scheme. Um, people forgetting football that schemes um, really are the things that win championships. Me being a Cowboys fan, we've had at least three or four teams in the last decade that actually could have done a couple of things. Jason Garrett was our fucking coach. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I know heartbreak where it's like we actually have a team where you're looking at other rosters and you're like, we match up well against them. That's we can beat some of these teams, but got to add that scheme, so. That's definitely caught it. Um, moving on, Thanks. let's transition Thanks. from sports you, to music. Dead Wrong Records 
give the people a quick spiel about how it came about. Who are the members of Dead Wrong Records? And what do you guys have planned for the future 2021-2022? Well, um, Dead Wrong Records, man, is a street label. Uh, me and my brother made it. Um, and we've got myself on there. Um, Azan is on there, who's my little brother who handles all of the production. Um, we've got Black on there. We've got um, Frio on the label, um, Roz on the label, and we've got a couple other people that's going to be coming in um, as well. Um, we just bring street hip hop back to the forefront. And we're basically blending something old, something new, some borrow, some blue in a way where it's like, yo, we've got the raps and the street raps, but we got the lit production. Where if you still want to listen to hip hop with bars, that's what you're getting with us. But it's not a format of a boom bat where the shit sounds like it's from 85. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody wants things to be packaged a certain way. And I feel like the project that we just dropped on that it did is a perfect example of that perfect blend. And um, I'm working on my EP. Everybody else is working on EPs as well. We're going to be dropping. Um, in November and December, we're going to close the year out, right? And um, Dead Wrong Records is a thing of the future, man. You know, we've got a lot of different doors that opened and a lot of different opportunities that opened um, after Dawn and Dead dropped from major execs, you know what I mean, from top curators and everything. And we're still grinding. We're still pushing. Um, Dead Wrong Records is a movement, and we have sites, and we will get there, of being one of the biggest entertainment conglomerates in the game. Not only just music, but just entertainment as a whole. Um, we've got a lot of different ideas and a lot of different things we're doing. So we're excited about ending the year off with a bang, man, and um, really giving people that kind of blend because hip hop is still alive. It's still a dope thing that's going on. Um, and you just need to get it with the times, you know, because uh, I fuck with Travis Scott. You know what I mean? I fuck with a. Um, Kanye or Future or whoever, these guys that are just doing, you know, different kinds of music. Um, but I know what we're good at. And we spit that street shit. You know what I mean? We spit that raw shit. We're from Philly. We're from the East Coast. You know what I mean? Some of our other artists are from New York. So we're embodying that kind of culture of still keeping rap alive, but doing it in a lit way. And um, like I said, it's a perfect blend. So Dead Wrong Records, we're ascending, man. And I'm really excited about what the future holds for us. All right. Well, um, while listening to your project, first thing in my mind was, okay, this kind of this kind of feels like a Griselda type album. So, is there any uh, is there any inspiration from Griselda that's involved with Dead Wrong Records? Um, this is the thing with with that. Um. I feel like the comparison kind of comes about um, because we both do street hip hop. Mm -hmm. I feel like we both have like a grimy thing where it's like they from Buffalo, New York, and they carry it like that. Um, and we're from Philly. So we're, we're two East Coast cities. So it's going to be similarities. Very good sure. cities too. And I, yeah, and I respect, um, I respect what those brothers are doing. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like from a versatility perspective, I feel like from a production uh, perspective, we put a lot more art together. Um, it's not as more of a, a, a grimy sound. It's a grimy sound, but it's a sophisticated grimy. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's a sophisticated kind of sound where it's like, oh no, we still on the streets, but you know we got speedboats too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it's a it, it's a different kind of thing, and they do those kinds of things as well. But like I said, it's a different kind of creative aspect that we're coming from with it. And um, we both are two big movements coming from the East Coast. You know, um, they're bigger than us at this moment in time. Um, and those brothers are doing their things. They're really putting hip hop in a great light right now. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely respect them. But Dead Wrong Records is a separate entity, man. Um, you know, we we may spit about the same things, but we do things totally different. And I think that the um, Project Dawn of the Dead reflects that. So aside from yourself, which artist on Dead Wrong Records are you most excited for? Uh, man, I'm I'm excited for everybody. And I know that would just be like a bland answer or just like a generic answer, but I truly am. Um, I feel that everybody has talent and brings something to the table. You know, um, with a Frio, I'm very excited about him and his style. You know what I mean? Good friend of mine, very talented artist. I feel like Black um, brings that West Philly style, you know, that kind of Philly spitting kind of style, that raw energy. Um, Rob brings those punchlines, that New York punchline shit that DVD kind of shit, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, and then Azam, my little brother, he's a dope rapper and producer, and a lot of the shit that he's putting together from a production perspective is bananas right now. So I'm excited about everybody. I feel like everybody's got the potential to do some really great things, and um, the EPs is going to reflect how much work these guys been putting in. You know what I mean? Some of the stuff that I've been hearing from these guys and, and material that they've been cooking up, it's just been really, really elite shit. So, you know, I'm excited for all of them, to be honest. So aside from Dead Wrong Records, you mentioned Travis Scott, you mentioned Future. Who are some of the other rappers out right now that you find yourself in, listening to in rotation? Um, I still listen to all of the older shit. Mm-hmm. To be honest, Biggie, Tupac, the regulars, Mob Deep, you know, um, you know, Scarface. Um, I'm a huge Scarface fan. UGK, you know, Screwed Up, Click. I'll listen to. Um, if it's more like recent dudes, I definitely like what Scott's doing. I love the Donda album. I thought that was dope. I like the production on it and the different things that were on there. Um, Future's always dropping some dope shit. Um, who else? Rat wise. Um, yeah, that's pretty much to be honest, like just just listening to like the greats, you know what I mean? Too short, you know what I mean? I love like that Oakland shit, you know. Um, yeah, short dogs, a legend. Um, you know, eight ball and MJG, bone thugs and harmony. You know, um, this shit is constantly like in my rotation for sure. But like the newer, newer artists, yeah, that's probably what I'm listening to. Um, the Kanye joint. I like uh Fabio Foreign, I like their drill shit mm-hmm. that the New York niggas is doing right now. I think that shit is hard. Recipes pop smoke. Um, that movement is a hard movement. I like what they're doing up there. And um, yeah, man, I, I definitely try to keep my ears out to new shit though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trapped in a fucking closet with 95 on it in the fucking purple tea. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm still listening to recent shit, but, like, as far as, like, motivation and inspiration for my rhymes, I'm always going to be listening to the great. So I'm always tuned in. Okay. So out of those artists that you mentioned, who do you think might be 
the most underrated? Like who doesn't get the most credit out of uh, Too Short, Scarface, Bone Thugs and Harmony, Mob Deep, Biggie, Tupac? Like who doesn't get the most credit out of out of those artists that you mentioned? Probably, probably like a guy like a Scarface. To be honest, I feel like people kind of leave him out of top 10 and top 20 conversations when you start talking about the albums that he's put together. Um, like The Fits is one of my favorite albums by him. Um, he talks that street shit in a very eloquent way. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're sitting there really listening to him and you've lived that life before, um, he speaks to you kind of like how Jadakiss speaks to the streets. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Jada has that same kind of effect as well. Um, somebody else who's underrated that's been getting his flowers recently. Um, oh damn, and I forgot Dipset. I'm a huge fucking Dipset fan. How did I forget them? Um, so I'm listening to Dipset every day. I at least listen to something by Dipset every day for sure. Dipset Anthem may come on, do you think remits by Cameron, whatever. But um, back to face, face has a crazy discography, not only by itself, but he uh made a super group with the ghetto boys. They've got classic albums and records. And um, he's been a force. He's jumped on a lot of dope production. He's done shit with Kanye. He's done classic records with him and Hove. You know what I mean? And he survived the times. And um, I think he's one of those dudes that never really gets talked about. Um, Most Def is somebody that never really gets talked about as far as like an underrated um, artist. Um, who else that just has like a really solid discography? Mob Deep is like that too. Because yeah. Prodigy's one of the best rappers of all time, in my opinion. Um, Personally, his style. I think Shook Ones is one of the best produced tracks of all time. Yes. I think no matter sure. no matter what you know that beat, no matter from either whether it's from Eight Mile, Eminem, or actually knowing the song, everybody knows that beat. Everybody. For sure. For sure. It's a fucking classic, bro. And, and, and Mob Deep definitely doesn't get a lot of credit as well. There's so many different artists, though, man, that they may have had success, but it's like nobody brings them up. And then when you do bring them up, it's like, oh, shit, I forgot about him. You know what I mean? So um, they're definitely on that list of that underrated artists for sure. So you talk about classics. Um, there's amongst people of my generation, like when when we're discussing classics, like, for example, um, I think most people that I talk to, we can all agree that Kendrick had Kendrick Lamar has three classic albums at least. Personally, I say four because I think Section 80 is a classic too. But mm. when you look at other artists like Drake, where um some people say the the most you the closest thing you get to um a unanimous decision and when it comes to classics, when it comes to Drake's career is take care. So I guess what I'm trying to ask you is that what from someone who I guess I would consider an old head, what goes into declaring an album a classic for you? Um, well, well, first and foremost, I'm 29, so I ain't that damn old guy. So <laughs> put that on. <laughs> but but I did hear a lot of those like dope albums, like the Blueprint. I was a youngin during that time when Jay-Z <laughs> dropped the blueprint. You know what I mean? Like I was, like, you know what I mean? Um, but those were classic albums to me. I feel like a classic album has to be where it's damn near a general consensus. 
um, where it's not like, okay, I got this album and okay, it's a couple tracks on there that are dope, but uh, like it has to be a general consensus thing. And then it has to be something that has like impact. Um, when you look at like the older albums, like the old albums that's both before, because how old are you, would you say? I'm 22. Okay, you're 22. Same bro- age as my brother. So y'all grew up a little bit behind us, just a tad bit with a couple of albums, but we all listen to the same shit. The classic, classic albums, like the shit in the 80s and 90s or whatever, like you look at an Illmatic, um, a Purple Tape by Raekwon, um, you know, it takes a nation of millions by like Public Enemy, like all of those are like classic albums from top to bottom, where it's not a skippable track. Mm-hmm. I felt like on a lot of these newer albums, it's a couple skippable tracks. And it's always up for debate. It's not really an album where it's like, okay, from one to 20, I'm listening to, and it's like, every song is the shit to me, in my opinion. I haven't really heard like classics. So when people say with Drake, I'm like, Drake is a great entertainer. I don't really know if he has a classic, classic album yet to me. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're talking about hits, the motherfucker got hits. Mm -hmm. Um, He got hits for days. But in terms of creating a cohesive front-to-back project, I think the closest, the best case you can make for him doing that is Take Care. Um, Yeah, yeah, I I can't argue that, but I can say, like, I would put Take Care with, the infamous by Mob Deep. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like those classic, classic albums, the low end theory by Tribe. You know what I mean? Like certain albums are the blueprint by Hove, the black album by Hove, Stillmatic by Nas. Like these are more recent albums. Um, College Dropout. Kanye. You know, that's a fucking classic. I feel like they got fantasy. like three classics. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy too. Um, Yeah. That could, you could throw that in there too. Did 808s you, and Heartbreak changed the game. Yeah, a lot of these niggas singing because of that album. They do. Do you um, do you put Good Kid, Matt City in that same conversation as a classic? It's a West Coast classic for sure. Right. Can't say that it's not. Because that because I remember like me in high school when that album came out and just seeing him all over magazines talking about. Kendrick Lamar is going to save hip hop. Kendrick Lamar is the new savior to hip hop. And like <laughs> just the, just the yeah. whole impact that you're talking about around that album where the music is good. He has the hits. He has um, Mad City, uh, Poetic Justice, um, Money Trees. Like he has. Yeah, you have like to he consider has it. Around yeah. But yeah. just also the. Yo, like, is are we witnessing potentially the greatest rapper of our of this generation right now like that little emphasis on that album puts it as a classic to me and i think that's what i've really been trying to explain to other people is that um first of all numbers don't really matter when we're talking about classic albums you could do five yeah yeah that's true you're talking about the material not the numbers exactly so it's like yeah, you could you could dominate the charts or whatever, but at the same time, if there's one skip on it, or well, not even because I think that now because of how music is sold, I allow a few uh, a few skips on some classic albums because you sure. like everybody's trying to get to twenty and twenty is a double album and you make more money. Like there's some mumbo jumbo and contracts where if you get twenty uh, tracks per album and they all stream well, you get more money. So I understand that, and we might get some throwaways because of it, but I think that overall from front to back if i can 
listen to an album in full and enjoy it and not really want to feel the urge to switch or turn it off consistently, I think that it belongs in a conversation for classic. For sure. For sure. I, I can't get mad at that at all. Um, Good Kid, Man City, you definitely would have to put um, on a classic tier because it did have some impact. And when you start talking about like a lot of classic West Coast albums, it's in that, it's in that mix. You know, when you start talking about Doggy Style, The Chronic, um, Ice Cube's got a couple, uh, Lethal Injection, he's got a couple out there. Tupac's got a couple. Um, so he's right in that mix. You know, um, some people may consider game documentary a classic um, in, in, in certain circles. So I feel like you can't um, really deny his album's impact. And then his impact in the game, a lot of niggas rap like Kendrick. Yeah. So I can't, you know, I can't just say, okay, since he's not from the old school, I'm going to diminish his accomplishments. Can't do that. Do you think J. Cole has a classic? <sighs> I, I'm, 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 J. Cole is a solid rapper. Mm -hmm. That's what I'll say. I've had arguments with friends. Um, J. Cole just doesn't do it for me. He's a good rapper. Mm -hmm. But uh, me personally, it just doesn't do it for me, man. I can't, I can't really get into a lot of his stuff. You know what I'm saying? If we're saying, is he good with wordplay, cadences, stuff like that? Because I'm a rapper, I can hear it. Yeah, you can rap. But like his song structure to me, how he puts certain things together, it just isn't for me. He can rap. You'd have to consider him one of the top in the game. His numbers don't lie. His fan base doesn't lie. And he can rap. Can't argue that. But for me, what I'm listening to, that's not my cup of tea, to be honest. So is it more so what he's rapping about or is it the production behind it? Um, a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Um, and the only reason I say that is because of course I rap street shit because I came from that. Mm -hmm. That's the element I come from. But also I appreciate artistry because I also am a very smart individual. I'm a smart black man. So I appreciate good music. Mm -hmm. I appreciate the artistry where it's like most deaf black on both sides is a classic to me. He's not rapping about drugs, bitches, and shooting niggas across the street at all on that record. But it's a classic record. And I feel like when you um, are rapping and putting together stuff like the production needs to be A1, everything needs to be at the best level it needs to be. And I feel like with J. Cole understanding the game and royalties, I think he focused more on if I produce it and rap it, I'm going to get all of the money rather than the art of it. Yeah, you know I, I think saying? that if he, like, personally, I think 2014 Forest Hills Drive is a classic because it was, okay. first of all, from front to back, it's a very good album. Um, he produces everything on it and everything just still seems fresh. But then him and in that whole, he went platinum with no features is super impressive. But again, trying to repeat it again on For Your Eyes Only and then again on KOD, it kind of gets stale. So... Mm. That's my issue with J. Cole. It's clear that he could rap and it's clear that he, um, personally, I think that if he really, that's also another thing with J. Cole. I think that sometimes the hunger isn't there because I think a hungry J. Cole versus a J. Cole who's just rapping just to rap are two different people. And I no, think when that- when J. Cole dropped initially when he was broke, oh, he's rapping his ass off. Yeah, like I think that you know? if he, I think that if he um, progressed with that hunger, at least, that hunger being evident in his music, I think that he could potentially be up there with Kendrick. Mm. But I think that the production got stale. I think that he's trying to fix it now because now on the off season, he had features and well, he still produced all of it, um, but he, at least he had features. So I guess it's a start. 
Um, but I guess my last question with this whole conversation about other rappers, I'm a big Lupe Fiasco fan. I think that he's super mm-hmm. underrated and I feel like a lot of people should know more about him. What do you think about Lupe Fiasco? I think Lupe Fiasco um, is definitely a skilled artist. I think um, sometimes it's a thing being too lyrical. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he always gets pigeonholed because this is the thing. Um, we have to be honest here. You have smart people and you have dumb people. That's just life. I mean, that's just life. It is people life. may not want to just say it directly like that, but that's what we deal with every day. So some things that Lupe Fiasco may say can go over people's heads. It just is a simple fact. I feel like Lupe Fiasco comes from that Kanye West tree of I'm the black guy that I'm not rapping about guns, but I dress a certain way because he's introduced to us by Kanye. Mm-hmm. Um, so he comes from that era. Um, he had what was it, food and liquor? That was Ooh. a dope album. Um, yeah, like he kick push, you know. Um, and he made pop records and they were big records. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lupe Fiasco was able to have a lot of success. Um, I think he's a dope artist, all in all. I just feel like again, he's got to be somebody's cup of tea. Because he will say some shit over here. Now, the last year he did was um, this um, record. Um, what was it? A dinosaur? Oh, um, house. Like some shit about Kaylin, a dinosaur? Kaylin yeah. Yeah, I thought that was the craziest sounding shit he's ever put out in his fucking life. Me personally. I was like, what is this nigga talking about? <laughs> like, you know, we're talking about... Um, um, what what was the Disney movie? Alador or you know I, some I shit? Know. Yeah, some T Rexes and Allosauruses and Diplodocuses and shit. I didn't really know what he was talking about, but if you're talking about all in all from a pen game, his pen game is legit. It is. He explained it because apparently that song went over my head too. He explained it as he was using dinosaurs as a metaphor for older rappers. Now that makes sense. I, I, I could understand that. So I could understand that. I think that it might be one of those situations where someone I you know what? I I think I'd agree with you. I think that sometimes he can be too lyrical and it does go over people's heads, and because of that, he goes um underrated. But I do think when putting words together, he's and from what I've heard, he's one of the best. He's personally like the He's personally the rapper that really made me get into hip hop in the first place. So, um, yeah. Um, anyway, so you talk about Dead Wrong Records having EPs coming out in November and December. Will there, so is everybody going to have an EP that comes out in November or December or what's the release schedule looking like right now? Everybody will have an EP. Um, I'm probably gonna be dropping in November. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to kind of go on ahead and get everybody else jump started um for December and January. We kind of want to flood. Mm-hmm. We want to have like a continuous flood. Um, not only from an EP perspective, but dropping singles, dropping visuals, dropping ciphers, like really putting the foot on these niggas next, like early and often. Because I believe we got the talent, we had a vision, we had a musical production, we had a drive and a focus. We just have to make sure that the content is out for the people to consume. So um, right now we're just putting up game plans, how we're going to push singles. Um, like I said, how we're going to go on ahead and go about visuals 
And um, we want everybody to drop. We want everybody to shine. We want everybody to have that um, thing where it's like you look at the big movements of your locks, your dipsets, your rough riders, your G units, your state props, NWA, whoever. Um, you know, no limits, whoever. Um, Bad Boy, Death Row, all of these guys had huge movements because of the content and the artists and flooding them with dope content and material. And I feel like we got a dope opportunity to do that. So it's like, why waste time? Why not, you know, just go in here, put together some dope music for the people to consume and really roll with the punches. All right. Well, it's time for our last segment where I allow guests to talk their shit. So that means it's time for me to take a step back and allow you to talk your shit. Whatever you want to talk about, uh, whatever's on your mind, promote your projects, just whatever. You get a minute. Oh, word, word, word. Well, you know, this is the thing. Um, Dead Wrong Records is going to be the biggest movement around, motherfuckers. Y'all better believe that shit. All right. Let me tell you this. King Champs is one of the best rappers of all time. I'm saying it. You don't have to believe me. My work will prove itself. You go listen to my content. I am elite. Everything that we're doing over here is elite from top to bottom. We're bringing that street hip hop edge back. You can go on ahead and enjoy it. We're going to be dropping a crazy, crazy, crazy slew of projects for people to consume. Um, and it's about to be a monumental thing, man. In a couple of years, you're going to see Dead Wrong up there with those guys with those legends, with that Rushmore. That's something that we're pushing for. That's something that we're claiming. That's something that we manifesting. So be out on the lookout for me, Kane Champs. You can be on the lookout for Dear Braun Records. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Kane Champs, K-I-N-G-S-H-A-M-P-Z. That's the same follow on Twitter as well. Um, our SoundCloud page, you can go to Dear Braun Records so you can see how much work we've been putting in. Um, as far as content is concerned. And we got a brand new album out. Dawn of the Dead is out now. It's on every streaming platform. And yo, go check this shit out. If you want bars with the production and you don't want this shit sounding like it comes from 1983, go check us out. All right. Thank you for being on the program. I appreciate you, brother, man. I had a lot of fun, man. Nah, this definitely was fun. Um, thank you for listening. Like and subscribe. Don't forget to follow King Champs and Dead Wrong Records everywhere. Um, follow Old Milk on Instagram and Twitter at Old Milk Media. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. They have a new uh, variant out called Moo. Apparently, we're going to go through the whole Greek alphabet. So let's try to prevent that. Um, that being said, we will see you soon with me and RJ. Episode 223 of the Cat Podcast. And we are out. <laughs>